Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Hey, League of Wildness, Wildman Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. This episode is me kind of riffing on stress, and I throw out some hypotheses. I just throw out a lot of thoughts and reactions and just kind of insights I've had from dealing with my own chronic stress experience that was pretty intense for the past, and, and still kind of is intense, to be honest, but certainly getting much, much better. But the last 18 months were just, it was full on. So... I just have a lot of thoughts I'm still kind of digesting and, you know, the more I dove deep into stress and just how potentially negative it can be for our health, it's, uh, it's just wild. So I kind of do a lot of postulation, a lot of just thinking out loud in this episode. So I don't want anyone to take anything I'm saying necessarily as fact, especially when it's qualified as kind of thinking out loud and or hypothesis. However, I do have some notes that are from different podcasts I've listened to, some different articles as well that I do think are useful and have a little bit more solid base. So on that note, hope you guys enjoy. Here we go. League of Wildness, Wildman Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about stress. And this was really inspired by just my personal experience. The last, I'd say the last 18 months has probably been the most stressful time period of my life for myriad reasons, which don't really matter. But it's, uh, it's the first time I've really had what I think we all identify as stress really just impact my, my well-being, my just how I generally feel day to day. It's affected relationships. It's just, it's really, um, it's been this kind of insidious thing in the background. And I suspect many of you are dealing with chronic stress as well. So I thought it would be a worthwhile exercise to just start exploring the topic of stress. And as I, as I started to do more research, I'm, I'm starting to think that this, the chronic stress that is the result, I believe, of a lot of a lot of the way just things are set up in our modern society. I think that chronic stress is really kind of the underlying problem with a lot of the chronic lifestyle diseases we're having. So kind of diving right in. Stress is deadly. I'm gonna be I'm also gonna be referring to notes as well as some uh, different articles I've got pulled up in front of me. So kind of go back and forth a little bit here, but Stress is deadly. So chronic stress causes heart disease. It's the leading killer in the USA. Heart disease is a leading killer in the USA. Chronic stress is very, very, very bad. And one of the reasons it's very, very, very bad is because it causes hypertension. Hypertension is the basically inappropriate constriction and dilation of blood vessels. And what's crazy is, this is what I think, I remember learning this in my pathophysiology class in college, but I remember learning there's something called essential hypertension, which basically what that is, is it's not caused by any disease. Like you can't say you have hypertension because of 
some infection or some exposure to some toxin or because you took some drug or whatever. If there's essential hypertension has no underlying pathology, the pathology is lifestyle, which that just blows my mind. And just kind of continue to riff on hypertension specifically. Hypertension, it damages the lining of the arteries, which leads to atherosclerosis. And that's also very, very, very bad. What is, atheros- what is atherosclerosis? It's the thickening or hardening of the arteries. It's called, it's caused by the buildup of plaque in the inner lining of the artery. So when you think about people having heart attacks, Due to atherosclerosis, the coronary artery is getting blocked essentially by those plaques. So that's kind of the classic example of heart disease and atherosclerosis. One thing, you know, we do so much learning from the age of, you know, since we got a preschool, kindergarten, all through elementary, middle school, high school, college, master's, doctorate, whatever. We We do so much learning, but there's... There's these critical life skills that I think often get overlooked. Personal finance, I think, is a big one. We're not going to talk about that today. But it's stress modulation. It's how do you modulate stress in your life? How do you modulate the stress in your body? And that's something that I have I've noticed it for years, but it's really been the last couple of months that I've actually been able to kind of address it a little bit more tactfully. And it's it's that physiological it's the body response to stress i can feel like this tension this tightening when when what i would say a moment of stress arises and when i'm feeling again that chronic stress as well it's it's this tension and i've developed just some it's it's a very simple exercise of just kind of stopping taking a breath i have this kind of internal visual, visualization i do I guess I might as well share it. Basically, basically what I do is, it's one is identify the trigger. I feel a moment of tension. I feel that that body response to a stressful moment or maybe I start ruminating on something that's more chronic. And again, it's a physical feeling. But the exercise that I've been using that has been working is one is it's the taking the breath, just even just one slow, deep nasal breath helps me a ton. And essentially what I've been doing is like visualizing myself as two people. So I'm, I'm identifying like, like the feeling of stress. I identify it and, and what I'm visualizing is it's me kind of coming into like a spa waiting room. So if you can imagine this really nice kind of natural wood, there's plants, very comfy seats. I kind of imagine bringing myself into that room, giving myself the hot towel, the mint tea, and just breaking the cycle, calming down for that moment. And what it does essentially is it gives a gap. It gives this gap in time where typically I would want to react versus kind of think through what I'm reacting to, if that makes sense. So let's give a quick example of 
you know, the kids spill milk. My tendency might be to react, yell, be upset, feel that tension, that body tension. What this exercise I find helps is the breath and then that visualization. It helps break that immediate reaction and really kind of look at the situation a little bit more objectively and, and ultimately calmly. That's really what I'm going for, this calm, peaceful state. And I suspect, you know, if you think about <laughs> another time I'll feel it is like if I'm on social media, someone, someone leaves a mean comment, there's a, I feel that same tension. It's not quite as extreme, but it's this little like poke. Emails, the same thing. If there's like an intense or stressful email or, you know, a negative email, it's the same type of thing. Even like, you know, if you know you're going to have a difficult conversation with someone, there's that anticipation, anticipation, the anxiety leading up to it. It's physical. I think stress has always been, at least in my mindset, relegated to the psychological entity that doesn't affect the body, which again, as I'm, I've got several articles and sites in front of me here, as well as my notes. And it's just, it seems like, it seems like it's the problem that we need to address. Obviously there's lack of physical activity. There's eating the standard American diet, which is clearly horrible for our health, but stress is such a major factor. So the best tools to modulate your stress, exercise, sleep, biofeedback, social connection is actually one of the biggest factors, which I also, which makes a lot of sense to me. I met up with a group this morning. We went running, climbing, and Sky I was hanging out with, he was saying, I feel full, you know, and I was thinking about that and it's like, yeah, you know, I do feel, I feel very different starting my day in this big group, just positive energy. Everyone's having a good time. It does do something to kind of calm you down and just give you this feeling of belonging, of community. This is interesting. So serotonin, when serotonin is released in the brain, it generally makes us feel good. Serotonin also gives feelings of enough. I think that's a huge point. The feelings of enough. I know I I know I'm experiencing this. I'm sure many of you might experience this as well, but there's this drive to accumulate, 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 and there's never this line in the sand of well, when when is enough enough? You know, and your whole life can go by. You can look back and realize you might have had enough way, way. Maybe you always had enough, actually. That, I think, is it. We all have enough. If you're watching this, there's a high degree of probability that, is that the right way to say it? If you're watching this, it's highly likely. Let's, that's better. If you're watching this, it's highly likely that you have enough. It's just your mindset around it is what might be kind of interfering with really fully digesting and absorbing that. But I wonder if it's just that, that chronic stress is that constant chase for enough. And if we, if we don't have the social infrastructure and connections that maybe we had even, you know, 15, 20 years ago, kind of the pre pre pre-internet age. And I'm not, 
just going on a quick tangent, I'm not like trying to say we should get rid of the internet, we should get rid of phones. I'm not saying that. I just think they've become so insidious and so kind of ubiquitous everywhere. There's there's just there's no line. There's no break from these things. And I, I do think it is having an effect. One other interesting note, and this they bring this up in the book I've mentioned, Four Thousand Weeks. Awesome book. You guys gotta read it. But the author brings up uh this concept which social connection requires sacrifice. Basically the point the point in the book is like you could have all the free time in the world, all the money in the world, but if everyone else is kind of on the nine to five Monday through Friday schedule, you're just going to be alone all the time and probably unhappy because you're just alone. So the social connection requires sacrifice. I think especially in the States, we're kind of, at least I was kind of brought up just culturally. I don't, I wouldn't say anyone said this to me specifically, but there was kind of this idea of you should determine every minute, of your life. And you know, I'm going to take a step back. I don't think that's necessarily how I was brought up, but I think when I look at social media today, when I just look at kind of the general kind of threads, streams floating through just the general consciousness, there's this idea that you should be completely autonomous, decide, be able to make every decision at every moment of your day and you shouldn't be accountable or any of your decisions predicated on anyone else. That's that's kind of like, the that's an extreme version, but I do think that is the push in a way of this very individual, individuality, which, well, the individuality in the sense of you shouldn't compromise anything that you want to do for someone else. I, I do think that is something that, I don't want to say we value as a culture, but it's something that maybe the people that can be totally individualist, they seem to have this status, right? But the reality is social connection requires sacrifice. If you want to, if you're not going to compromise to meet up with friends on time, activities, whatever, you're going to end up again being alone. And I know I've certainly been guilty of that. So it's something to think about. Like, are you, are you sacrificing something that would really be beneficial to your both physical and psychological health might be something to consider. For my notes, I also have finding something that you delight in. Finding something that you delight in. I think that's, uh, I like that word delight. You know, because there's things you enjoy. The word passion gets thrown around a lot, but I like the word delight. It's got a little bit more, it has almost like a levity to it, but it also has this kind of like effortlessness, you know, which I just like it. Some of these notes are from uh, an awesome podcast as well as YouTube episode by Dr. Andrew Huberman. I'll link it in the show notes, but he talks about something called tachykinins. And these get secreted when we're not socially connected enough. And essentially what tachykinins do is they make you feel bad. I also have here in my notes, does gratitude 
help with the release of serotonin. So what I'm, and I, I read the Wikipedia page on tachykinins and I did a little bit more research. There definitely needs to be uh, some more follow-up and I'm certainly not the expert, but as I'm kind of looking at these things, I'm like, kind of my, my, my overarching hypothesis with the chronic, kind of going, going back to stress, with chronic stress, I'm starting to develop this hypothesis that essentially what is really, really, really bad about chronic stress is that it essentially carves these pathways in our neurology and even potentially our physiology but it's carving these pathways that make it harder and harder to escape. So for example, the tachykinins, if you're constantly upregulating those and their, their purpose is to make you feel bad with the idea of getting you to do something that makes you feel good. But if, if you can't escape that cycle, you're only kind of eroding and digging this valley deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think that can make it really challenging to get out. So I just, I wonder things like neurological diseases that might have this kind of lifestyle foundation to their cause. I wonder how much stress is an impact in those things in the sense it's carving these behaviors and ultimately this physiology that's resulting in pathology. Again, I I studied human science in college. I have a BS in that. I'm certainly no expert and there's there's people that are way, way, way more educated on this than me. But when I when I hear these things, that's just the wheels start turning a little bit. So kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. So, okay. The other page of my notes. So social integration seems to be one of the most powerful ways to reduce stress and kind of ultimately reduce these lifestyle diseases that seem to have a foundation in stress. And I think I like the word social integration because there's, it has a little bit more gravity associated with it. There's a little bit more on the line. You're, you're really, you're integral to something socially. It's not just, you know, meeting up at the bar once a week with friends, which that's certainly not a negative thing, but I think the social integration is really being a part of something and having a purpose within that community. One of the articles I found was from Yale. How to reduce stress. Number one, exercise. Number two, go outside. Number three, time management strategies. Number four, set realistic goals. Number five, get more sleep. Number six, make time for leisure activities. And number seven, learn and practice mindfulness, aka control your attention. And then the last thing in my notes, and then I'll go back to some of these articles I've got pulled up, but I have the Wild Gym Stress Protocol. So number one is ruthlessly evaluate your lifestyle. Number two, spend as much time outside as possible. 
Number three, make movement and exercise a priority. Number four, only keep real food in the house. Number five, sleep like a caveman. Wake up when the sun comes up, go to sleep when the sun goes down, and that can change with the seasons, right? In the summertime, we're almost to the summer solstice here. The days are longer, so maybe you sleep a little bit less. In the winter, the days get shorter. Maybe you sleep a little bit more. Number six, try and get 10,000 steps or the equivalent. Number seven, join an in-person community that you can be deeply integrated into. And kind of riffing on these for myself, I think evaluating your lifestyle, I suspect a big problem with chronic stress is financial stress. And a lot of that has to do with your standard of living. As you get older, you tend to make more money. As you make more money, the tendency is to want to spend more money. If you can live within your, if you can not just live within your means, but live well within your means. And I've mentioned Mr. Money Mustache. He's a, it's a financial, it's a personal finance blog. It's MrMoneyMustache.com. I've met Pete is his real name. He lives right down, I should say right up the road in Longmont, Colorado. It's an awesome blog. He's a wild man. (laughs) The day we met in like five minutes, we were out doing deadlifts and pull-ups in the snow. So. He's good company, but it's, it's like, it's the stuff he's saying. It's obvious in a way, but almost no one does these things. But if, if financial stress is an issue for you, man, if you can ruthlessly evaluate your lifestyle and you know, you might have to make some what might feel like radical changes, but if you can do that, you know, that could be a huge reliever of stress. And I think a part of it too, it's not just the financial stress in the sense of can you pay the bills, but it's the the financial stress of, well, I can't leave my job because I have a mortgage and we have all these expenses and blah, 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 blah. If you feel that's that's the feeling I hate is that feeling of being trapped. It's the uh, man. What's the quote? I gotta look it up. It's I believe it's a Thoreau desperation. It's oh yeah, here we go. It's the mass of men leave. Excuse me. So this is Henry David Thoreau. So it's the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Of course, that would account for all people. But I think the standard of living and evaluating your lifestyle, that's where it's not, it's not just do you have enough money to pay your bills, but it's are you also kind of essentially trapped in a job that you might hate that also causes you stress because of not living within your means so might be that's something i'm evaluating hardcore for sure and uh you know maybe that's something that might be useful to look at yourself spending as much time outside as possible that's man i feel the the word i use is funk but when i when i wake up and i just kind of get on the computer and I don't go outside until like middle of the day. I just feel kind of gross and funky. There's just this funk 
what I've been very, very disciplined about is going outside first thing in the morning, getting early morning light. I break the seal and I try and spend as much time as possible outside throughout the day. Even just, there's a awesome little one mile hike right outside my house, even just walking for five, 10 minutes. Like those little, what we could call micro workouts, they're so valuable and they have such a powerful impact if you do it consistently. Make movement and exercise a priority. So we've surveyed the League of Wildness several times and one thing that I keep seeing over and over again is what is an obstacle to your health and fitness and it's time. Being too busy, I don't have enough time to work out. I kind of don't believe you. I think the time is there. You're either one, not recognizing it or two, you're letting yourself get distracted. Like, have you checked your screen time? Have you seen, have you checked and seen how much time you're on social media? How much Netflix are you watching? Do you really not have the time or are you not making the time? I think that's a real question. Keeping real food in the house. If it's, if you don't have crap in your house, you're not going to eat crap. So just, just buy good food and you'll eat well. I think it's, it's pretty simple. The sleep thing, you know, I think I was thinking about this, like how to quantify good sleep. You know, I know there's heart rate variability and there's, there's ways that it can be tracked a little bit more objectively, we could say, but I think, you know, you know, when you've slept well and when you've slept poorly. And I, it could be as simple as, you know, is it a, I slept awesome, I slept okay, or I slept poorly. Like if you tracked that, just those three choices, good, okay, bad, if you track that for like a month and kind of started correlating, well, you know, what did I do when it was bad? What did I do when it was good? You might start to see some patterns and just these little micro habits that really add up. The 10,000 steps. So what I notice is when I get 10,000 steps or the equivalent, if I go for a run, if I go for a long bike ride, it doesn't have to be the exact thing, right? If I go rock climbing all day, I might not take 10,000 steps, but I'm active all day long. There's just, it's like I've, I cross, I kind of like emptied the tanks enough when it's where it's just like, and then I sleep amazing. And typically on those days, I, I think what else it does, I think the steps is actually important because 10,000 steps generally will force you to get outside. It's not that you can't get 10,000 steps inside, but man, it can get boring quick just walking back and forth down the hallway. So if you can get outside and do your steps or the equivalent, that's such a huge benefit. And then the, joining an in-person community that you can be deeply integrated into. You know, I got to give a shout out to the Morgans, Chris and Monica out East. Shout out to those guys. They started the Wild Gym East, which is essentially a rut club they've been meeting up. But, you know, I wonder for Wild Gym, is that something where we could have these little, essentially this decentralized, uh, what would it be? like collective of wild gyms and it's just you know it's about meeting up getting outside putting in a proud solid physical effort and then maybe going and grabbing coffee grabbing a meal just having a community to keep you accountable 
you know, and I'm sure there's more that we could build into that to have that real social integration. So we'll, uh, we'll keep that conversation going for sure. And would love to hear you guys' feedback. So this is from Harvard Health Publishing. This is published March 1st, 2022. So, okay, I'm just going to, I'll kind of skim through and read a few things, but okay, why is stress bad for us? If you get stressed out frequently, the stress, the stress response can become constant and cause ongoing harm, including chronic inflammation, the persistent activation of the immune system which sharply raises the risks for many diseases such as dementia, heart disease, and stroke. You know, I'd be curious to see the statistics of autoimmune disease. What, what was the diagnosis of that? You know, as, you, as we went back in years, what was the diagnosis? And it was, was it just undiagnosed or was, is there just more autoimmune, autoimmune disease? <laughs> Man, I'm struggling. Water. Is there just more autoimmune disease now? When I read that line, the persistent activation of the immune system, I got to think there's an effect there with stress. And that, and kind of going back to what I was saying earlier of kind of carving these grooves in our physiology, stress carving, carving these grooves. Can stress, can chronic stress basically carve these grooves that result in things like autoimmune disease? I don't know but it seems certainly like it's possible. Okay, then they have fighting stress. So (laughs) these are just kind of the, these are the bold points, but number one is do do a relaxation exercise. Number two, stretch your muscles. Number three, take a mindfulness break. Excuse me, number four, take a brisk walk. Number five, use laughter. Number six, reduce loud noise in your environment. Number seven, play soothing music. Number eight, counter negative thoughts. Number nine, use positive self-talk. Number 10, ask if it's really worth it. Number 11, reach out for help. You know... (laughs) So I've talked about this, but why, why is it a profound, why is it a profound concept now that going outside is good for us? That just, it blows my mind. Why is it a profound concept that laughter is good for us? Why is it a profound concept that eating well and sleeping well and relaxing and relaxing is a profound concept? It's like, I just don't understand how we got so disoriented. I just don't. Okay. This is an article from the New York Times, and I will link all these in the show notes so you guys can check them out for yourselves because they're worth exploring and reading. So basically, this article talked about they did scans, they did brain scans, I'm sorry. Basically what they did was they wanted to see how stress affected cardiovascular disease. So there was a prior study that had 293 people that were initially free of cardiovascular disease. They underwent full body scans, including brain activity. 
So five years later, the individuals that had a high level, high activity of the amygdala were shown to have higher levels of inflammation and atherosclerosis. So kind of how they translate that now is they says those with an elevated level of emotional stress developed biological evidence of cardiovascular disease. In contrast, people who are not tightly wired are less likely to experience the ill heart effects of stress. Interesting. So what, what this is saying, this was a study, and where was it done? Let's see, was this Massachusetts General? I believe, yep, Massachusetts General. Okay. So how I'm interpreting how I am interpreting this is that basically it's kind of like your stress is only bad if you kind of interpret it as bad, if that makes sense. So you might be quote unquote stressed, but if you're not quote how they say it, not tightly wired, you're less likely to experience the ill heart effects of stress. It's not to say you're totally immune to it, but if you can have kind of a more laid back easy growing approach to life or things that would generally stress people out. If you can have that approach, you're going to be less likely to experience the ill heart effects of stress. But man, it's like reading this, reading things like this and then relating that back to my own experience with that. Again, that, that real physical tension I feel it's like, Oh man. Yeah. Okay, so this is from the Mayo Clinic, and they're talking about, so this article is stress and high blood pressure. What's the connection? Okay, so basically heart disease also might be linked to certain health conditions related to stress, such as anxiety, depression, being cut off from friends and family. What's interesting is this article says there's no proof that these conditions are directly linked to high blood pressure, but the hormones the body makes when under emotional stress might damage arteries. It's interesting to hear that contrast. So why, why I pulled this up again, I, I'm trying to see, I want to see the antidote. I think we all know what causes stress. I think we would generally agree chronic stress is very, very bad. For, and what I'm starting to realize is it might be a lot worse than at least I initially thought. So it would be, it's a good thing to uh, mitigate. So their stress reducing activities that can help lower blood pressure Adjust your schedule, breathe to relax, exercise regularly, try yoga and meditation, get enough sleep, change how you see challenges. And when I was going through these articles, so what I found, kind of going back to my point of, from my notes was ruthlessly evaluate your lifestyle. It's I think I think these what I'm seeing from these ways to alleviate or reduce stress they're they're kind of like they're the band-aid. You're treating the symptom not the cause in a way. So it's like do you really do you need to 
change your life. Like that's, that might be the, the reality of it. You know, certainly the mindset changes, the way you interpret things, those things all add up, but it's like, do you need a fundamental kind of shift in just how you're approaching and living your life? That's, that's the question that I want to ask. So as we start to kind of wrap this up, I, and I, I want to do some follow-up episodes as well. I got to I got to give a shout out to Earl wild man of the North. We were, we just, we had a conversation a week or two ago talking about stress and kind of how to approach it. So maybe we can get on the mic and dive deep. I'm sure I would love to hear more of his, uh, his thoughts. He's so Earl, he lives in Northern Norway and he's essentially, he's essentially a doctor. I don't want to uh, qualify his position or what he's doing, but he, he's a smart person and I appreciate his inputs. And um, he does work with patients on like a therapeutic counseling type of situation, therapeutic counseling type of situation. So I'll let him describe a little bit more if we get back on the mic here, but knowing him now for several years, there's just, there's kind of this just Norwegian like calmness and mellowness and their kind of approach to life and kind of like a stoic type of attitude and mindset. And that's, that's like a cultural thing. There's certainly some, some reasons for that. I think just the way they approach work, the way they approach life, the way the communities are set up, things like that. But I noticed that when I talked to him, there's just, He's always kind of mellow and I'm a little bit more wound up and maybe that's just me. So wrapping it up, if, uh, if you are dealing with chronic stress, I stand in solidarity and I'm going to post a bunch of links in the show notes. So hopefully those will help you out. It certainly is helping me out. And, you know, for years, for years, I just kind of gritted my teeth and just kind of push through stressful times. And to be honest, I never really experienced chronic stress because I, 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 it just, I didn't have the inputs, but. Oh, excuse me. The last like 18 months have been a stressful time. So I'm trying to share what I've learned and hopefully it'll help you out and improve your life for the better and wilder. Thank you for tuning in, League Wildness. If you're enjoying the Live Wild or Die podcast, you can please leave us a review. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be pushing out more of these videos. And I always love to hear your thoughts, your comments. So feel free to drop me a note. Much love. See you guys out there.